Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, and all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 99th episode of the podcast, airing September 21st, 2020. Now, I'm pleased to bring to you my interview with Christina Caudill of Radiant Astrology, who will join me in a discussion on Libra season 2020, where Christina and I discuss this loaded Libra transit and the many aspects that make it one of the most juicy and potentially challenging 30-day periods of 2020. We unpack the planetary movements, the lunations, the upcoming Mercury retrograde station, and the energetic traffic jam that is Mars retrograde, and how these influences may play out in our personal lives and the collective sphere. As the election date gets closer and closer in the U.S. and the uncertainty of pandemic life still reigns supreme, the planets have definitely lined us up with one heck of a show. Now, we do hope that our dialogue helps navigate this period with awareness on how to make the most of it during these unprecedented times. Now, a fabulous way to show appreciation for this podcast and my astrological efforts is by making a one-time donation over at Mel's Tip Jar, which you can find uh, on my website, or you can book a personal consultation with yours truly. And of course, all of this can be done over at energeticprinciples.com. So, all right, who is ready to hear all about Libra season? Here we go. Now let's meet our guest. All right. I am so happy to welcome back to the program. We have Christina Caudill with us here today. Thank you for joining me, Christina. Hello, Melissa LaFera. Thank you so much for having me. I love our Astro Chats. I'm oh, excited. yes. We, well, you know, you get two Mars and Geminis in a room and, or a Zoom room at least. Uh, and yeah, the, we have wonderful chats about everything. And Christina is not a you know, stranger to this podcast. She's been on, I want to say it's like your fourth time, your fifth time, something like that. It's hard to know because then you've been on my podcast too. So it's like, I know we've had several chats together, but I know I, I want to say four. I'll go with four. We'll go with four. We're going with four. I know we did a talk on um, we did a talk on Chiron and Aries, which is still you know that is still relevant, and actually it's going to be quite relevant to uh, when we actually get into the full moon of Libra season that we're going to be talking about later here. So just FYI, if you want to kind of go back and learn a little bit about Chiron and Aries, uh, we did a talk. I want to say what like a year ago or something when when that went in there. I think been, yeah. because I know that then didn't you also talk to Gray Crawford about it too? Um, and so did I, I think we both did. <laughs> and, um, and then we touched on it earlier this year when we talked about, you know, this kind of year ahead. I don't even know if we really saw um, at the time how much the pandemic was affected by the Chiron and Aries, you know? And so now we're seeing, wow, that is just a real literal expression of that, that symbolism. Yeah. When we did that podcast, we had no idea that a pandemic was coming. <laughs> we were, we were blissfully ignorant uh, of well, what was happening. 2020 was not going to be bliss. I just don't know how yeah. we- that's right. That's right. It's, it's how it works. Um, but all right. Well, before we get started here, just in case you're new to the podcast or you're new to Christina, uh, you know, Christina, will you tell us just a quick little summary about who you are, you know, what you do and 
cetera. Yes. Um, thank you so much. I'm an evolutionary astrologer and transformational coach, which basically means that I help people through transformational times in their lives. Especially, I tend to specialize with people who are going through their Pluto square and beyond, which is um, lately, it's been in this generation in the early 40s or late 30s, like usually about age 37, 38 and beyond. Um, and those are the times when, you know, the poo-poo hits the fan <laughs> and we need to know more about who we are beyond just um, the persona that we've created in mm -hmm. response to what's expected of us. And, you know, but what's great about this younger generation and like the Pluto and Scorpios and are you a Pluto and Scorpio? Or Pluto? I am a Pluto and Libra and I have went through that square. Okay. No, I'm actually dead in the middle of it. Oh, um, pretty young looking then. <laughs> that's right. I, I'm, a, I'm a fresh 41. <laughs> oh, um, well, you know, I think that this younger generation coming up, they are a lot more um, insistent on being authentic to who they are um, and changing what uh, they don't accept in the world. You know, I think the Pluto and Libra generations, we might've been the last generation to actually say, okay, let's do how, let's do what uh, society wants from us. And then at some point, you know, we realize, wait a second, there's something wrong with the system. Um, so I'm more and more seeing younger clients now too. Um, and they have something to teach me as well. I think they have something to teach all of us. Um, and it's really about guiding people in the areas where they can't see for themselves, you know, the unconscious. Mm. Um, I work a lot with Jungian archetypes and Jungian psychology. I'm not a Jungian analyst myself, although I have been through analysis. And it really helps you to see that um, some of these bigger ideas like um, those that we find through fairy tales, those that we find through mythology. The reason they speak to us is because they speak to something deep within us, something eternal and something that connects us to our humanity. Um, and so it's amazing how astrology can help us to see what's um, what connects us to the cosmos and something much greater than us, but yet also how ordinary you know, that it's important for us to be as ordinary and normal as we are to ourselves, right? It's not about just inflating ourselves and inflating the ego, but bringing ourselves down to, you know, our specialness that can be actually kind of, you know, really amazing to just be a human being, <laughs> you know? And I like to, like now I'm more and more speaking about being your ordinary self and how amazing that is because, and the, these days of social media and all these false personas mm. and false prophets, you know, they're falling and fading. Um, when we fly too close to the sun, like Icarus, then we can have, you know, a real a downfall. And I think more and more people are waking up to that. And I love to help people through that. So um, my business is Radiant Astrology. Um, I work with individuals and teach courses and I'm doing summits. I did two summits this year and you were one of my glorious guests. And um, I was super excited to have the panel with you and, and share that experience with you. And I'll be doing more of them because as we get into this Aquarian 
age with mm-hmm. Saturn and Jupiter coming into Aquarius, which I know we've talked about before. Um, I think it's really about creating networks of, you know, everyone rising together and everyone going through this experience together and, you know, accepting that we are the new economy and we are, you know, the, this new paradigm that's arising, like that is us. And that, so, yeah. we- so much to say about Christina because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I could say so much about everything you just said. I do want to pull back real quick to the Pluto uh, and talk about Pluto and Libra and, you know, because we share that generation. It just came to me when I was thinking about, because I've been seeing a lot of younger clients too, and a lot of the Pluto and Scorpio folks coming in. Um, and I feel like because Libra does balance those two sides of the coin and how we might have been easily going with the, uh, you you know, constructs of society that were already in place, not to rock the boat. We were brought up in it. We're already this in-between generation um, anyways, because we are the in-between of like the technological age and, you know, kind of the older world of doing things. Um, We're literally split and, and like dancing on the balance here. And I feel like the Pluto and Scorpio people that are helping to wake things up and be more authentic and be like, no, this doesn't apply. This is not right. We need to dig deeper. What it's doing in my mind is it's catalyzing us Pluto and Libra folks who really can, you know, dig deep and fight for the the justice that can be there in the truth. It's just, we needed to dance on the other side of it. And so I feel like the, that younger generation, which is not too much younger than us. I mean, I'm talking about like people that are like, you know, four or five years younger than me, which is not much in the grand scheme of things. But I think that they're really helping, um, energize the Pluto and Libra folks. So I think Pluto and Libra and Pluto and Scorpio together are uh, a fantastic pairing. And it's so exciting to see that really these are the generations that are going to come into power over the next couple years. Um, Not couple, but you know, actually next two decades or so. Uh, Because what, everybody's in their 30s, their 40s right now. And usually people in power are, you know, 50s, 60s. And that itself might even change, right? We That's true. Shift to younger because, um, I mean, we'll just see because when we're getting into more and more of this sort of, as we spoke about before, the shift from earth to air, mm-hmm. you know, it may even be ageless. I'm hoping, you know, that it's more about our ideas than um, yeah. our biological age. Yeah. Um, and that's so interesting too, because I was reading the other day when you're bringing up archetypes and uh, that being so important in um, astrology and when we're getting down deep into the, you know, the stories that connect us all, you know, obviously one of the, the big books that are around that, especially for women or you know, uh, the women who run with wolves uh, and what I was reading the other day, uh, picking up in that book and just talking about our lack of uh, especially with, for women, um, you know, honoring the older women and getting those voices uh, heard. It's so interesting. It's like, I want things to be ageless, but at the same time, I also want our society to really honor the people that have wisdom too um, in, through age. Um, but discerning what that is, it's not like just because you're old, you have wisdom. So it's, it's interesting. I think I feel that there's a lot of older folks out there that have a lot to share with us that are not in positions to be able to do that because part of us uh, runs on this old society where we put, you know, older 
men, you know, in, in positions of power. And we also really glorify the youth generation too. And those two like bookended pieces keep a lot of um, uh, just in just wisdom, you know, especially from us women and the older women that really, you know, the grandmothers of, you know, this might be my Capricorn moon talking, but you know, where are our grandmothers? Bring them out because they, you know, I really think that they can help us along here too. But that's, that's a tangent. I can't can't (laughs) not like add to that. Like, let's go further. The tangent. I saw a thing on Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you know, that uh, documentary on her, I forgot what it was, but um, it's really cute. And it's, I think you can get on Netflix, but RBG, you know, uh, luckily she's getting a lot of attention now because thank God she's helping to um, maintain, you know, some real justice in our society at the Supreme Court level. And um, there was a young, uh, I think college age girl that was, you know, a big RBG fan and saying how much she loved RBG. and, And she said, you know, it's amazing that she's getting so much attention now because, you know, who is the most like derided, fearful person in society? It's the old woman. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> like, easy, <laughs> easy. Easy. I'm like, halfway there. Um, and I was like, easy for you to say, Napa. Yeah. Um, I, and I love that we're shifting our attention more to you know, women with wisdom, because the thing is, is a lot of women aren't out there going, Hey, look at me. That was one of the reasons why the two summits I hosted were all women. And now I will say that like, there's some other, you know, it seems like the, the up and coming, you know, the next thing is we're looking at beyond just gender, obviously, and beyond, um, uh, you know, these binary concepts, but those of us, I know I still have a lot of unhealed, um, you know, work to do around, you know, being a woman and being oppressed and suppressed in just even this society. I know that might sound small compared to what other people deal with, but at the end of the day, oppression is oppression. And, um, I think there's a lot that we can do to, to move through this, internal oppression like we internalize the patriarchy and the patriarchy is held up by women i mean anyone who's fought the patriarchy knows that there's a lot of women upholding it and so um i think the more that we can just show what we're capable of and what you know what treasures we hold i mean those Mm. summits i mean just using those as examples um, it was pretty amazing because the spotlight tends to be the men because the men tend to also say, sure, I'm available and look at me. And, you know, they'll just go right out there and do the podcast and do the webinars and do the courses and whatever. Um, and good for them. Um, and women usually, for whatever reason, you know, we're told we can't, we shouldn't, or we just can't find it within ourselves. We tend to struggle with that. Um, I think that the internet has luckily made it so much easier. You know, We're, we don't have to go up on a stage. We just go on Zoom, you know, <laughs> and we hear what we know. Um, and also the idea that older people that have wisdom, um, I always love to look at Stephen Jenkinson, who has said that, you know, an elder is not just someone who has aged, right? Because we have so many 
elderly people, you know, older people now, and we, we are still lacking wisdom in our society. Mm. You know, wisdom is, yes, the, the wisdom that comes with age is that which is, you know, we, we're deeply uh, digging deep within ourselves. We're reflecting, we're really asking ourselves the big questions and, and maybe delving into to other wisdom from other times and, you know, timelines. Um, and it's distilled over time, you know, that's true wisdom. And I think there is something to be found with that. He also says that elders are, you know, they're sought out by the young. And the problem is now is there aren't enough, you know, the young people that value elder wisdom, you know, for that to continue to happen. You know, if we want to really be, to develop our own elder wisdom, you know, can we be mentored by an elder who is truly an elder? Are we seeking them out? And they could be through books. They could be through other, you know, times and timelines. I mean, when I think of, say, for instance, Carl Jung, yes, that's a, I think of it like this grandfather figure that's wise that, you know, you know, I know his life story and lived a lot of hard knocks, but also, you know, you know, asked big questions and found big answers and also sometimes didn't even find answers, but ultimately asked really big questions that get you thinking deeply. Um, and, you know, what women, there's plenty of other women as well that um, have that wisdom that's just sitting, lying in wait. But it's up to us. We're young enough <laughs> to be looking older to us to, to be seeking those people out and to be distilling what they've learned. And maybe, you know, we think in this time with everything changing so fast, you know, older people don't have anything to share. But actually a friend of mine said, what about the greatest generation? Those people that went through World War One and World War Two. You know, most of them have died out. But he was just, you know, this friend of mine was saying, we need to hear from them. How did they make it through? You know, what did it take to make it through all of those wars? Not just, you know, materially, but, you know, family and friends and children dying, going missing. And, you know, but you still have to keep it going. And, and that's something that I've been reflecting on too, is those older generations. There was, there's something in the human spirit that we can likely learn from that we can take in these times now and these very dark times, actually. That, that's right. You know, that's the thing that we forget about the, you know, the human race is that, especially when we're on in times that seem very dark right now, as if that has never happened before. No. This is an age-old story that has been going on for thousands and thousands of years with human existence um, is the struggle uh, and hardship and having to get through certain areas of suffering um, and what it means to be human in times that are more trying uh, and how we band together to you know, be able to get through this because at the end of the day, we're a communal uh, species. And so... There's, there's just so much. I love that we're talking about elder wisdom uh, during... Oh, I mean, because I didn't even think I said what this even episode is about. I'm sure if you clicked on it, you'll know that we're talking about Libra season 2020 or we're going to here. Um, but it seems apropos to bring this up beforehand, knowing that Libra does uh, is looking for the truth. It's an air sign. It's looking for future possibilities and potentials. Um, and 
a lot of this season is going to be tied up in that cardinal crunch and hitting, you know, the the planets that are in Capricorn. And these are the areas of, uh, you know, looking at society, society, societal wisdom, the grandmothers we're looking for here, uh, and then learning from, um, you know, that that ageless wisdom that can help us all. And in some people have that, some people are like born with it. You know, you, the, the funny thing is, is like, we're talking about elders and I love them and respect them and I want more of them. But sometimes you'll hear the most profound thing come out of like a four-year-old's mouth. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. <laughs> so, you know, we're all just looking for wisdom. Or here. also, you know, because we're, you know, we're so, both of us so Pluto and Libra and we have to like weigh everything. Um, and the Gemini, don't forget that Mars and Gemini that we have. Yeah. Also, some of the old, you know, it's funny because someone had said something on, I think I saw online that was like, oh, well, such and such is 2000 years old. So it must be, you know, you know, truth or whatever. But, you know, slavery is thousands of years old, you know, like racism is thousands of years old. It's not all just about old, right? Um, Or things that stood this test of time. I think that, um, you know, there's some, there are times that's one of the beauties of this time. There's times in human history where certain ideas, we wake up to how we have been, you know, enslaved to certain ways of thinking and being. And it's just become uh, unconscious that when we awaken to them, like how racist we've been or how much we've, you know, we've stolen land from, you know, the, you know, the, the original um, settlers here. And we, are continuing to, you know, do damage to um, indigenous communities and things like that. Um, that's not, that shouldn't be just some radical idea, you know, it's, it's about waking up to it. And so, yeah, in some ways it's funny because, you know, I'm in a quandary too. Sometimes I hear the most profound things and, and you hear some real elder wisdom from older people, but then you also hear some really, some things that feel like, you know, they should have been put in the bin decades ago and they're still alive in people because when they were children, it was reality. And yeah. they haven't moved beyond that. So there certainly is something to say about elder wisdom, but I think now also there's something to be said about at times knowing when it's not you know, it's not the truth or it's not the highest truth that's possible. I think we may be feeling, maybe we're feeling the Saturn because Saturn's going to be stationing direct in, I mean, still what, a week or so away? I don't know. It's the end of the month. Um, but personally, I'm Saturn ruled, so I may be already. Well, you know, in full disclosure, we're talking right now as, you know, the sun is trining. Saturn. Um, it, yes, it, we got the sun trining Saturn. Uh, basically, I don't know. Is it to actually today? I don't have my. Oh yeah, or I think it was exact. Yeah, it's like a degree. It was exact yesterday, but yeah, exactly. Yeah, so no, no wonder we're on that Saturn tip uh, right now. Um, and we got Mercury that's heading towards Saturn there. Which, uh, well, okay, 
so this is actually a good place to start, you know, because actually that's kind of the start of Libra season. So let's, let's dive in because there's so much that we have to discuss with the, the Libra season, which obviously is kicked off, you know, it's the start of fall here in the Northern hemisphere and what is known as the equinox or the fall equinox. Now, of course, if you are in the Southern hemisphere, this would be your spring equinox. Um, but either way, it's an equinox and there are equal energies at play. Um, and, uh, yeah, so let's just talk about which happens on Saturday, September 22nd, when the equinox, uh, takes place. So, I mean, the concept of equal day, equal night, you know, very Libra, right? I mean, it happens in Aries too, but uh, there's okay, something wait to be a said. Second. Hold on. Oh. Uh, just one little correction is, I think it's Tuesday, September 22nd. Do I have the wrong day? I, you know, I, <laughs> it's absolutely Tuesday, you know? I'm sure there was a, t- a Saturday, September 22nd, <laughs> uh, you know what, three years ago, something like that, I'm going back in time. Yes, Tuesday, Tuesday, a Mars day. A Mars um, day. Yeah, so here we have our equinox and what is, because whenever we have an equinox or a solstice, there is a, a sense of pivot happening because it is a change of seasons in some way. Although the equinox gives us more of an equal pivot, it's not as extreme as our solstices are. Um, but, you know, Christina, what do you think about the equinox this year, uh, in Libra season beginning in general. Yeah. Um, well, let's see. I love that it's on, um, let me see. I just had it here. I love that we have a Sag moon. Um, and so to me that, you know, I love the Sag moon because there's like possibilities and Jupiter has just recently gone direct too. Mm. You know, so there is, you know, it feels like we're entering into a new, a truly a new phase, a new era. I mean, I know that I'm grateful that we made it this far, you know, and I'm grateful that 2020 is more than half over, um, you know, and so I feel like that there is a sense of um, going into the fall season with some hope. I mean, you know, we're nervous too because of the whole elections in the United States. And I think we are already expecting that to be very contentious. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, at the Libra Equinox, I think that we feel like, you know, maybe the tide is turning this time. I think there is a reason to have hope as well. Um, Mercury is opposite Mars. I mean, that is going to be, you know, some you know, quick thinking, quick speaking, maybe a little of that contentiousness with Mercury and Libra, you know, wanting to, you know, that can help us to maybe have more even and balanced communications. But with that Mars, especially retrograde in Aries, there could be some like impulses that can kind of be beyond our control, you know? Um, I think that, I think people are doing their best to, you know, we know that you can't argue at this point, we can't really argue with people to change their minds. I mean, we've been trying, many of us have been trying to for four years, you know? And so this is kind of like, what are you going to do to just get people to stay hopeful and go out and register to vote and vote and just do what you can now? Because we're kind of at the finish, you know, getting at the end of the line here. And um, we want to also make sure we have a vision for the future. We're not just trying to, you know, sort of like go against, you know, this darkness. We want to have a vision for the future. And um, that to me has some sense of hopefulness in it. 
Yeah. I, well, yes. Cause I, I, we talked about that. Uh, Wade and I talked about that on our Saturn and Aquarius podcast. And I hear some other people mentioning that recently, you know, as we go into uh, the fight for what we think is right in the world and, and want to see the changes. And, and it's very important that we know what we're fighting for and what the plan, you know, it's one thing to go in there that Mars and Aries ready to go and be like, this is the cause I'm going for, you know, but you gotta have that, the, the, the bigger plan, you gotta see, the stepping stones that are going to help you get to what it is that you actually want to manifest. Because if you just go in, you know, with the action without having the plan, you know, that's a recipe for disaster a lot of times because you can, your instinct might only take you so far. You need the instinct and you need the preparation that comes with, uh, you know, looking at some of the realities and the structures and how that can all architect together. And that's actually kind of, well, because, you know, it, we do kick off uh, Libra season that way with Mercury in, you know, at the tail end of Libra, uh, preparing for that opposition with Mars retrograde. But before it hits Mars retrograde, it basically squares Saturn, who is retrograde. And all this is happening, and Saturn is about to station, as you pointed out earlier, at the end of um, at the end of Saturn, at the end of September. Um, and so there's a couple of things that are happening. So we have this T square buildup in cardinal signs between Mercury, Saturn, and Mars, while Mercury also enters its shadow phase because Mercury is going to go retrograde, uh, you know, in the middle of October there. So that is part of Libra season. And so there is something that is setting the stage with this cardinal T-square of Mercury, Saturn, and Mars. And so we have the voice, we have the action, we have the limitation, the boundary, what we're devoted to, the structure of it all. And it's all kind of crunched together because the T-square, I mean... It, it that's that's can be it can be activating energy, but it's also kind of stopped up in, in many ways. And so, Christina, what do you think about the T square? Yeah. yeah, because with Saturn at the apex of the T square, then yeah. and Saturn, as you said, is is stationing. It's uh, and its rulership in Capricorn, and it's you know, and I would still even pull Pluto in there too because yeah, <laughs> that Saturn Pluto. I mean. You know, the more that change happens, the more that the status quo resists it. Right. Know? So I feel like there's like this resistance. Um, you know, there's ideas, there's a desire to change and to pivot and things like that. But then there's still this big sort of looming resistance. I think some of it could also be just even on the individual level, we feel like we need to change. We need to uh, respond to how things are changing, you know, in our work and in our daily life. Um, but then, you know, there's this big, these big questions of, mm. will I have enough resources to take me through, uh, you know, the next several months? You know, people have these worries that are sort of bearing down on them. Um, also, there's this, you know, will we have to go back inside? Will we not be able to act on these great plans that we've been making, you know, during this time? Um, you know, there's still a lot of these unknowns and a lot of this sort of heaviness. And it, and I think just in general, for a lot of people, I've been seeing that, you know, planning the next few months of, you know, their lives or their work, it's like, you know, we got to plan around the whole 
uh, election thing because people are going to be distracted with that. There's probably going to be, as we know, just in politics in general, any election year, they just up the fear and up the anxiety and up the uh, all of the uh, propaganda. And this year, obviously, I'm sure is going to probably be even more so. Um, and I think people are kind of just having to sort of steal themselves um, to know that, you know, we have to withstand, which is something that Saturn can really do, yeah. to withstand uh, some of this uh, volatility. Um, and the volatility, actually, I think it, it's telling us that, I think a lot of people know that it's not worth getting into any of these, you know, everything that triggers you because things can really get serious fast, right? Because uh, when things build up, as far as this, all this little anger builds up, it could really, you know, go down yeah. really fast. It's volcanic. It's volcanic. Yeah, yeah, like kind of makes me think of, like they said during sort of like the Cold War, you know, all the other little countries stopped fighting when the two big, you know, the big powers were kind of pointing, pointing, you know, nukes at each other. Right. And so I think that we, there's all this irritation happening, but with the Saturn, Saturn is basically ruling this T-square. And so ultimately, um, and Saturn can also maybe help to mitigate all of, you know, the little frustration that, that, um, Mars wants to keep punching at us, I would think. Well, I like that you brought up the, like on the more personal level of having the ideas for ourselves, you know, Mars in, you know, with Mercury there in Libra, trying to come to a decision, weighing out the sides, um, you know, dealing with others in the process, because obviously Libra is, it's not just all about what's going on with ourselves. It's what's going on with whoever we encounter and how to find some sense of harmony, uh, mental harmony within our lives. And Mars, you know, and Aries over there, this is our own agenda. This is, you know, this is what are we doing? And I know a lot of people are going through so many changes right now. And part of Mars going retrograde is this uh, internalized process that we need patience for, especially as it's jammed up with a square with Saturn. Uh, and we might be entertaining the options for our future and the directive we want to take as an individual. But there's still so much to go through as Mars goes through those uh, tense squares with Capricorn energy, especially Saturn. Uh, and then knowing that Mercury is going to uh, go forward, retrograde, and go back. So it's almost like, especially as Mercury enters this, um, the shadow of its retrograde cycle at this time, we get a lot of, as it says, foreshadowing uh, with what we want to do, but it's going to take immense patience and pressure may build up in the meantime, especially as, as we're going to talk about here in a, in a little bit, how Mercury basically stations opposing uh, Uranus, which is going to be something that shakes uh, the mind in a way and might bring new considerations to the table that we have to go back over. So whatever you're contemplating at the beginning of Libra season, especially since it's first quarter, you know, the, the day after we basically kick off with the first quarter in Capricorn. So there's a lot of energy and momentum that wants to move forward. Um, and we are thinking about the big, the, you know, the plan in place and might feel the limitations upon us. Um, but 
you know, I, use this time to plan, but, you know, plan to change your plans because there are still too many factors at play that need to be go, gone back over and why patience and persistence um, and determination, but with uh, the adaptability to pivot when you need to is going to be crucial, I think, during these yeah, times. Yeah. And I think, you know, we had this conversation earlier in the year that this is the year of the pivot, you know, and I, and I was really looking at, with the nodes being in these you know, mutable signs that really said to me, we need to look short term, we need to learn short term, everything is kind of short term. And we, you know, like people need to really quickly come up to speed with the short term, you know, and it, there's kind of no sense in planning too much for the long term because the short term is so immediate um, and we have immediate needs that need to be met. And so, yeah, with all this, um, you know, the nodes really kind of were showing us sort of like this overall theme. Now, the other thing I wanted to also kind of mention was I just saw a thing on, I think it was like the, the European, it might've been the WHO um, representative who was saying that, because in Europe, they're starting to see, they had just eased all their lockdown restrictions and now they're starting to see spikes mm -hmm. and now they're starting to say, okay, we're going to have to start going. And people don't want to hear that because they're like, no, we were good. You know, we did all we were supposed to do. We're ready to go back out again and ready to return to normal. But they're saying, you know, the, the winter, the fall and winter is, it could be much worse than the spring. And, um, and what that who represented WHO representative said that, uh, or no, it wasn't him, it was some doctor who said the virus, you know, we may be tired of dealing with the virus, but the virus is not tired. You know, the virus is, uh, is not going to be tired anytime soon. And so we just kind of have to bear down. That's very much that Saturn and Capricorn <laughs> and, you know, do what's good for the long term because it actually did work to, to, you know, stay inside and to wear masks and to sanitize and stuff that has been working. But the more we get loose with that, then, you know, the harder it's going to be to contain. And we definitely want to make sure that we can get through this, you know, this winter because it could likely be pretty tough. Yeah, because Saturn does not like loose. Saturn's like, no, we gotta, we nip. This is the line. These are the boundaries. And if you step outside them, there are consequences that are to be paid from that. And, you know, we got to take that seriously. I mean, here in California, obviously we've had some of the, uh, the biggest spikes in the country. Um, and there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of uh, data out that shows that California probably went through its first wave before we even knew coronavirus was hitting the stage. You know, a lot of people here had it before we even knew there was a pandemic um, because there's a lot of travel that comes out in and out of California, obviously being on the coast there, being access to, to the East, uh, and, you know, in, in China and all, you know, Asian countries and stuff. And so there's, there, we, I think we had it before we even knew that we had it. Um, but I see a lot of people, I was out there yesterday, Yesterday, you know, uh, with my mask, of course, I'm, a, you know, I always got my mask. I don't leave my house very often, but when I do, I got that mask on. Um, and I saw plenty of people that, you know, just because they're out in the free air. Now, it's one thing to be out in the free air in a park and you got plenty of room around you. I'm okay with that. Take your mask off, get some fresh air. It's hot. We need it. But when you're just on a, on a street and just walking by and like, there were so many people that just aren't 
wearing the masks. And I know I did a podcast. I think the last podcast I did with you was when we were talking about uh, the coronavirus and it unfolding. And I was talking about that Sun-Mars synodic cycle that I think was is very much tied up in this pandemic, which started back in September of 2019. And we are basically uh, on point to get the Sun Mars opposition and the midpoint of this cycle here um, in, you know, like, what is it, like October 13th. And so I think the first part of October is going to definitely be a ramp up of coronavirus. And so just FYI, you know, people do do your part. Uh, you know, I, there is this strong social shame that's happening, but sometimes shame is uh, you know, healthy because we need to get through something to together in order to, you know, get past this. Yeah, definitely. Um, I definitely want to touch on that too, about that first week in October. Um, I did want to get your thoughts though on, um, the Libra, uh, you know, Libra sun and Venus in Leo. So they're in each other. Yeah, you know, well, let let us talk about that. Let's talk about because obviously, when we have uh, you know, Libra planets at play, and especially the Libra Sun, uh, we want to see what Venus is doing because she is basically helping dictate the energies that are part of that. And one of the nice things is uh, with kind of the trajectory that Christina and I are right talking about right now um, is that you know, at the end of September, September twenty eighth, Venus, who's currently in Leo, uh, is going to trine Mars retrograde, which will be the first harmonious aspect of Venus and Mars all freaking year long. Can I say like, yeah, uh, I remember when they were kind of playing with each other almost in a trine earlier in the year and then Venus went retrograde and then they never quite made it. And a lot of people said, well, that's kind of like, um, you know, this dance with Mars and Venus, but then we had to uh, go into that was when we had to go into quarantine and that was the first time you know people weren't used to that and I heard some people saying that that's when people had to make a choice like you know if they were dating either we break up or we move in together <laughs> you know? yeah weird dance with like the cosmic love planet. Oh yeah. The, the, I mean, relationships have been something all year long, you know, like, I mean, personally, I went through a breakup of someone being with someone for seven years. You know, a lot of people's relationships did not outstand the pandemic. Um, and a lot of people, like you said, had to make quick choices. A lot of people haven't had, you know, contact or touch in a long time either. You know, there's just tension between the, that male and female principle. And it's, you know, it's not just men and women I'm talking about here, but just the idea of like, you know, meeting up and having that. So it, and it, to, felt, and it felt all year, like there's just been no real satisfaction because those two yes. haven't been able to really engaged and here they're finally connecting in the fire sign. Yes. And you know, that's so funny because uh, obviously I, I hear Mick Jagger in my head going, I can't get no satisfaction. And it's true. A lot of people have not been able to get satisfaction. And when you have, maybe it's been a little short lived um, or there's just been tension around that or, you know, like, so th- having Venus and Mars trine in fire signs nonetheless, which is actually quite, you know, it can be quite passionate, uh, can be quite inspirational if you're working on, you know, because Venus and Mars do help us along with uh, creative projects and, uh, you know, like putting out, uh, you know, our artistic energies into the sphere, um, but also finding some sort of uh, harmony 
in a sense. Um, so, you know, September 28th, that's around those days. Yeah. Because that's when, Sa- I think that's when Saturn station. It is. So that's the thing is that, uh, you know, like the universe loves to do this to us. They're like, <laughs> we're going to wearing Mars. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I like that Venus and Mars are coming together. uh, But, you know, at the same time, we have the sun opposing Chiron. We have Mars retrograde squaring a stationing Saturn. I'm kind of thinking of like, you know, because they're in the fire signs, right? Venus and Mars. And then Mm -hmm. Saturn, like in this, you know, squaring Mars and like the inconjunct with Venus. I'm thinking like, you know, like, I don't know, like you're going to, you have to stay in your parents' house. And, but then you see like, you know, you want to hook up or something. And so you got to do it quickly, like hidden in your that's like, room or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and that's the thing is maybe they're, <laughs> yeah, maybe the, you know, maybe the relationships um, are kind of coming together. They've got that passion. They're finding that, you know, but maybe they have to talk about once again, maybe that commitment level, you know, kind of what you had brought up, like uh, maybe you did find someone and then all of a sudden we have, we're back in lockdown and you got to make those decisions, you know, like that might be part of of it or um so the, so but it's nice to know that they're working on a more harmonious uh positioning um and and one that is can be authentic to what the self needs because that's what we need to keep in mind is that venus is in leo here and mars is in aries and these are both signs that are very much self-related in, in, in many ways, which, you know, here we have the Libra, we're trying to get the, the, you know, the togetherness, the compromise, the diplomacy, the same page with, with other people. Um, but there is an honoring of our own needs that have to happen within that. And so that might be part of the energy is that we are connecting with one another. We have the flow to connect, but we're also uh, examining uh, boundaries and more, you know, definitive lines of whatever that might look like in relationships. It could be any type of relationship. It can be a love interest. It could be a business partnership. You know, maybe you're in, uh, you have a business and you don't know where that's headed and you need to get on the same page with your business partner and decide, make tough decisions. You know, these are all things that can come up right now. Um, and we, we're going to have to follow our intuition around that and what we need uh, ourselves and how we can get creative about it. And also what we're inspired or passionate by, because if you're not inspired or passionate by, you know, the, the connection that you're in, uh, if it's not fulfilling your own needs in, in many ways, and you can't find the balance between that, that's when that harder part of Saturn, I think might come in. Um, but maybe if it is, and you know you can find that balance and then you'll then you're more willing to uh maybe be more patient with it or persevere in rougher times um and so it's it's weird paradoxical situation which you know that is libra that is kind of libra anyways it's because whenever you work with two sides of things you're working with paradoxes because you can see either one. This is true and that is true. And they can both be true at the same time. Um, and yeah, so it's such an interesting pairing to me. <laughs> I mean, I love that they're, you know, I mean, just alone, Mars and Aries and Venus and Leo, like that just seems hot to me. <laughs> that just seems like- I hope it's hot. <laughs> over the top. Um, and then, but then Saturn kind of being, you know, like bearing down there. It's like, there's still serious concerns in the back of our mind, you know, or, uh, you know, I mean, my thing is I'm thinking like, who's going to have a fling with a stranger if like, you know, you don't know if this person, you know, could 
give you the the virus. Where you been? My, Where you yeah, been? I know that's just my Scorpio moon talking. But um, you know, because also Pluto, of course, is in the mix. But um, I think it's just like we do have the potential for some great creativity and some, I mean, I think we just want, you know, that, that joy and that fire back. It makes me think of like, you know, I saw there was a release of, um, there's going to be some, uh, like Vivaldi in the park here or something like that. Cause I just moved back to Atlanta and it's open air. And that just sounds so beautiful and so like nourishing to, you know, like on the level of the soul that needs art and that needs music and that, you know, but then there's, there's probably still going to be social distancing and still going, you know, like everything has to be done in a certain way that to make sure. And, and who knows if it, you know, I, I almost feel like they have like all these dates listed and part of me is like, will they really be able to fulfill all those dates? I kind of almost doubt it. It's like, do what you can in that short window. Mm. Because uh, like you said, I, I also think early October, you know, we're going to have to watch when, um, you know, that, that full moon in, in Aries with Chiron, conjunct Chiron, you know, it's by one degree. Um, that should certainly illuminate things around Chiron, which number one, obviously, you know, the health, the pandemic. The other thing I was thinking of is like, you know, remember how there were reports that um, the president spoke about, uh, spoke um, in really sort of uh, derogatory terms about like wounded veterans. Um to me, I often thought of Chiron and Aries as like, you know, we hear of Chiron, the wounded healer, and Aries is a sign of the warrior. So I had been thinking like the wounded warrior kind of thing. And also Mars being an Aries retrograde. I mean, I don't know if there'll be more around that theme, but I think that we're all feeling like, you know, if someone is a wounded warrior, there's some dignity in that. And to undercut that, you know, it was really kind of a low blow, mm. right? Um, I think we're all feeling like wounded warriors in some sense. Um, well, I think also like, you know, and also then, you know, our nurses and doctors, I mean, those are the ultimate, you know, brave, courageous warriors that are, you know, putting them their own health at risk, you know, the, the health um, professionals. So the, these are kind of themes that I'm thinking of. When yeah. And I, I like that a lot and just taking on the idea of, of the wounded warrior or the wounded, I mean, you know, because here's the thing with Chiron, you know, what's it's, it's you know, uh, I can't think of the word right now, but it's term, you know, we call it the wounded healer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and thinking about the sun in opposition to Chiron, which is going to be September 28th, the same time Venus trines Mars and is really going to culminate, uh, you know, to that October 1st full moon, is that I think that if, you know, to pull it back to relationships, because that is going to be a big theme of Libra season, and we're talking about any type of relationship here, um, is that uh, we're going to be having to deal with, you know, the sun is going to spotlight 
those wounds that we hold within ourselves that are our own making where we come from that is that have defined the self in some way and how those play out in the field of partnership with others uh, and how we interact whether it's once again that one-on-one intimate partnership that business partnership that person we find on the street that for whatever reason triggers something in us that is going to come (laughs) out Exactly. <laughs> you know, hey, it happens. You know, many years since I've dated, so I don't. No, I no, I mean, like in the sense of, like, like you said before, we even got on the the call <laughs> where you're talking about, like, your husband who's not even normally like any type of road rage, just kind of got like heated up about something. You know, that type of you know, whatever someone else outside of us is going to ignite some sort of wound or some sort of trigger that we get to see the, that sun spotlight because the sun is trying to make us consciously aware of something. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and having it interact at the same time that Venus trines Mars, knowing that Venus is in Leo and looking to the sun in that mutual reception, right. You know, they're not in an aspect together, so we don't technically have like close mutual reception, but the fact that they're, you know, deferring to one another, we have enough there for those, those inner, uh, those energies to interchange. And I think that this is going to be a defining point because any type of full moon in Libra and Aries, we we're definitely looking at you versus me in some way, shape or form. And I think that our personal wounds are going to come up there and hopefully we are going to be able to shine a light on them enough to find the balance or find the healing or find a way to harmonize those and understand those better from an intellectual place. And part of that might come from having to honor our own needs or speak up for ourselves uh, in some way, but also be able to listen to others, which is an important part of Libra. So I think that that's going to be a bit of a tug of war during that time and then throw Mars square Saturn in that as well. Uh, We're just going to feel a pressure or a tension um, that is just happens with that placement anyways. Yeah. I mean, I noticed that when Mars, like the day that Mars stationed retrograde, um, you know, is still within that square to Saturn. Um, you and I were talking about, we were like texting, like, did you notice this and this and this? And one of the things was the, uh, police chiefs. There was the police chief in, I want to say Dallas, um, resigned, because of the controversy over um, one of those, uh, you know, the killing of um, a black man that was, you know, by the police. And then there was also, I think, I want to say, was it Baltimore, the somewhere up the Northeast, where the entire, uh, it was the police chief and the entire police leadership resigned on the same day, mm. um, all having to do with backlash against police brutality. Um, and so, you know, I think this may be more of the theme, whether it's defunding the police or whether it's, you know, the certain police leadership is actually forced out or it's the way that these headlines were written as it sounded like that they were you know, they voluntarily designed, obviously they didn't voluntarily resign, but they chose to resign rather than being, you know, I guess forced out by the public. But um, essentially, I'm sure that's, it was probably ignited by some kind of public outcry. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, and maybe it's when, you know, we see more of like the sun opposite Mars retrograde or something like that, but Mars being in this square to Saturn, um, you know, the Saturn being the authorities, Saturn being endings and karma and things like that. 
you know, we may see more of that. And in our own personal lives, it could be that whole, like, I'm just done with this. You know, this is like the final straw where I've come to the end of the road in something. Um, I would just say that it's important to, you know, we can just anticipate now that uh, if we have these sudden knee-jerk reactions, you know, I'm going to take my toys and, you know, go away, go to another sandbox. You know, we may, you know, could we regret that later when Mars is direct and, you know, we're seeing a little more clearly with, you know, we were not so triggered. I don't know, but we want to make sure that um, we're not, you know, reacting from some perceived, a perceived end of the road. Is this truly the end of the road? Is there truly nowhere left to go here? I mean, we were also looking at that same day, you know, the Kardashians, you know, like out of the blue announced they were ending their 14 year run with the Kardashian. Now it sounded like it was totally out of the blue and it sounded like it was, you know, maybe triggered by some family, you know, scuffle or something like that, who knows? But I thought that was another interesting thing that happened on the day of the Mars station. You know, it was like, was there some like uh, diva antics or some like someone having a fit, you know? And it, the reason it's important to look at that is because we want to look in our own lives and, and say, you know, am I about to have some kind of like a temper tantrum that's going to then end something important? You know, sometimes these are necessary parts of our, mm. our path. And, and sometimes it might just be, you know, a a knee-jerk reaction. I think that is a great point because at, you know, it's basically Saturn is in that overcoming position. So even though Mars and Saturn are both in their own signs, the fact that Mars is stationing retrograde, which takes away from its, um, you know, its strength of action uh, and the fact that it is overcome by Saturn. So it's the idea that Saturn is kind of looking down on it and Saturn is going to be, I think if we were looking at battles here, Saturn is going to be the winner for whatever that means. And so those knee-jerk reactions that you're saying and that pulling back or the taking your, your toys and like going over here when really there is a, a longer range goal or scheme at play, um, you know, that's, we're challenged by the idea of committing and, and being and persevering through something and being determined enough to get through challenges and obstacles that may be in our way that don't have easy fixes that aren't, you know, like, cause Mars just wants to like, just turn its corner and like, Mars just wants action, right? But right now it can't get the action. It, you know, it can't get what it desires. And so to uh, totally like chop it off and run it away. In the foot. I, I had sort of the idea of shooting yourself in the foot, basically. Yeah. Do. <laughs> I exactly. So we, you know, and, and, and we're kind of talking about the station right now. So we're kind of pulling back in time a little bit, but the, when it comes to the actual Mars square Saturn, while Saturn stationing direct, that actually might be when we realize if we've shot ourselves in the foot in some way, or if, you know, because at Saturn at that point, you know, right before that full moon that we kind of alluded to with the Chiron energies is, you know, Saturn is ready to go direct there and it's changing course. Um, so Christina, what do you, what do you have to say about, uh, the fact that Saturn is now stationing and going direct as just a planet anyways? Okay. Yeah. The 28th. Um, I'm actually looking forward to it because as I said, I'm Saturn ruled with sun ascendant and Mercury in Saturn and Capricorn. And, um, gosh, um, this last, you know, decan of Capricorn, 
you know, it seems like it's kind of the toughest slog to get through with Saturn. However, you know, Saturn, when a planet goes through a zodiac sign, you know, there's sort of like the, you know, the intro period kind of checking out the terrain. And then there's a sort of this transitional period in the mid degrees. And then there's a consolidation period at the end. So in some ways things are coming to, you know, a karmic fruition. What did we learn? Did we learn our lessons of Capricorn? Um, you know, how did we, especially because Pluto has been in Capricorn, how have we wielded our power? You know, you're seeing a lot of people with power fall because of abuse of power and things like that. Um, you see, you know, we also see other, um, powerful people trying to cling on to power. Um, and it's really a time where we're just, you know, we feel like the next phase is coming, but we're in a transition phase. I mean, we had a taste of Saturn in Aquarius earlier in the year and, you know, like the spring. Um, and then we went back into to Capricorn trying to sort of restructure our lives before we have this inevitable like forward motion change and and the new and the new guard and the new world and the new networks but right now we're still having to um you know face facts and and sort of sleep in the bed we made basically when it comes to our our capricornian lessons um and a lot of it has to do with you know the do we have the foundations um, to sustain ourselves in the long term, and the thing is, is no matter how solid on, on solid footing and solid ground we try to be over these next couple months, it may or may not help us when Saturn goes into Aquarius. Um, I think that the Saturn retrograde period was a time to restructure, um, knowing that you know this new world is being born. That's going to be a lot more, as we said, a lot more Earth. Air oriented than earth oriented, but the actual station, because it's being squared by Mars, <laughs> you know, that's going to be challenging. I do feel like there's probably going to be like volatility that, you know, maybe me, maybe we'll have some real karma to it. You know, we can't just go popping off because there may be some serious consequences with yeah. the station. I think you're absolutely right about that because that's, you know, Saturn don't play around, especially when it's stationing. And the fact that it is governing some, you know, other planets right now, as you've pointed out, like, of course, Pluto and Capricorn, but really Jupiter and Capricorn. And we know that Jupiter just recently stationed, but there's something to be said about Jupiter going direct, but Ca uh, Saturn not being direct quite yet. Um, so we think that we're, oh, the forward momentum is moving with that, that Jupiter direct. And in many ways it is, but there are still things to hash out. There's still the Saturnian component uh, and the almost the father of the house has to call the shot before Jupiter at this particular time can really start to move forward. So it's going to be a defining moment, I think, in, in many ways. Um, and I think you're absolutely right about being very... Um, 
aware of karmic implications and when we're talking about popping off and that Mars being there um, and it getting maybe getting really frustrated by the, the Saturnian conditions that are upon it um, and what might feel like a karmic uh, situation. And, th- you know, it could be in this moment or it could be something that you've been dealing with your whole life, right? Because Saturn is about time and th- it doesn't ha- necessarily have to be right in this moment. You could be a- carrying a Saturn burden that's been on your back since day one and you you're now getting to a point with it where it's like, okay, well, I have to reconfigure my ego in some way. I have to reconfigure how uh, my pride or my actions or, you know, in order to get past uh, this, uh, what seems like a limitation. But I think that we always forget that Saturn, you know, through that limitation or what it asks us to persevere through tends to give us some sort of reward in the end. So, you know, like, like hold out. This is where the patience comes in. This is where maybe the wisdom, um, and, and, you know, like cooling your jets because Saturn is that cold and dry energy where Mars is hot, 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 excessive heat. Um, and so cooling your jets in some way, uh, and having that patience, uh, which is not always easy as we've talked about, it, I think is going to work in our favor, but it's not necessarily going to be an easy thing with a full moon in, Aries that is going to uh, emotionally attach ourselves to more of that Mars energy. So it's, um, I feel like the universe is setting us up for a test in, in many ways to, uh, you know, get through. And Saturn loves tests, doesn't it? Yeah. I think in general, though, even though it is Saturn, um, and for me, like Saturn stations, usually I just feel like it feels like it's just bearing down on me. And I sometimes can't really like even, you know, move forward or anything, but ultimately, you know, this summer has just really been a summer of retrogrades. I mean, even though, you know, the outer planets go retrograde right every year, but we the fact that we've had all these retrogrades together, plus, um, you know, Mercury and Mars, like, it's just has felt like, I feel like we're back on our heels, you know, it just feels so hard to make any kind of progress. So I'm actually looking forward to Saturn being direct. And then shortly after that will be Pluto going direct, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But the fact that they're happening pretty close to each other, Saturn Mm -hmm. being September 28th, Pluto being what I think October 3rd. Um, Uh, Yeah, 4th. And the fact that Mars is squaring both of them basically at the same time. That's, those are something to really look at because the Saturn-Pluto conjunction is obviously, and, you know, we can't leave out little Jupiter either because, you know, this has been the signature of 2020. This has been ultimately what has set the landscape. And as Saturn stations direct, you know, it's, and Pluto is still retrograde. I mean, Pluto, the Pluto... Saturn conjunction is kind of, you know, going to be coming into effect again with Saturn squaring it. Um, I think during this little time period here with both of those stations, the, both of those planets stationing direct, um, I, I think that, you know, all that that symbolizes abuse of power, authoritarianism, control, um, I think we're just going to see it in, you know, extreme, like sort of vivid relief, actually. 
Yeah. Well, it's so interesting. I was thinking about the other day, you know, because, you know, traditionally ruled uh, Saturn rules both Capricorn and Aquarius. Um, But Capricorn has, you know, with as earth signs and water signs do, they have an interest in the past where air signs and uh, fire signs, you know, these daytime domiciles have interest in the future. And when we earlier this year, we got a taste of the future. We got a little glimpse of Saturn, you know, moving into Aquarius and what the future agenda might look like, but we had to retrograde back into the past. Um, And so we're clearing up, you know, if we brought it back to what we were talking about just moments ago with, you know, karmic implications, we are clearing past in many ways. Um, And I think having Saturn station direct to do its final pass in Capricorn, which is not going to happen for, you know, another, what, 30 years, you know, 29, 30 years or something that we are doing like a final sweep of, of past energies that need to be moved on in order to build the future to come. And that is not only in uh, the world sphere, which we're clearly seeing in a lot of the, the situations and energies that you brought up, but in our own lives too. And so I think that this can be a turning point uh, within our relationship to our past and what might have been, uh, you know, burdens or limitations there that now we're like, okay, well, you know, if I want to create this future for myself, if I want to build this thing and these, this more, you know, idealistic view or what I would like to see turn out in my life, I have to clear and sweep the floor now. And I think Saturn is going to help us, um, you know, by challenging our Mars because our Mars, that's how we're, that's how we're navigating through life and how we're acting. And this could be just my Scorpio rising speaking because, you know, I'm Mars ruled. But, you know, actions do set up the idea of karma in many ways, actions, reactions. And so I think that having Mars in retrograde, so it does have the wind out of its sails. You know, our ego is knocked down a little bit. It is internalized. We can look at it from a more, um, you know, a more private place. And I think that we need the tension and the pressure to push ourselves to turn the page there, especially if Saturn's in that overcoming position, because that means we can sweep the floor we can through the pressure because whatever gets done, you know, if you don't have something kind of like squeezing you to do it, you mm-hmm. need the squeeze. And I think that is the blessing of Mars in this tense position with all these Capricorn energies. It's like, it's time to change. You want this for yourself, but the only way that's going to happen is if you change, if you draw the line, if you set a new boundary, if you get like leave the old karmic issues that you you know that you've been dealing with behind and that's the only way it's going to set the stage for all that aquarian energy that's going to come uh and in late december and then through 2021 and 2022 with saturn there too so you know they, these are the i guess the the blessings that are part of that to me yeah i feel like you know and i love that you are said about how anytime with Saturn, which I also feel like with Pluto too, these, a lot of times are these long-term things that have been going on a long time, you know, that we realize, wow, I really haven't been as responsible as I thought I was, or I really haven't been, you know, doing, living the life that I felt like, you know, was mine. If I always feel like, you know, this is our chance with Saturn Station Direct to have another opportunity to, you know, be what we wanted to be when we grow up, (laughs) you know, Mm. it's like, guess what? 
we're there. <laughs> and, um, and now is the time to do those, to take the actions and to be, even when no one is looking, you know, to be ourselves um, and live our, you know, live our morals, live what we know is right, whether or not that gets us any kind of, you know, the response, you know, positive feedback from our environment. Um, it's really about doing what we know to be right and true. And um, who was it that had quoted recently? Oh, actually, I think it was Ann Ortley in her newsletter had said something like, in Nuremberg, um, you know, following orders was not, you know, in the Nuremberg trials, if you were following orders and still killing people, that was not an excuse that would not get you off, right? Mm -hmm. um, you had to recognize that, you know, what you were being asked to do and ordered to do is wrong. And it's up to you to, you know, know that and say no. And that actually was kind of eye-opening to me because, you know, if someone was ordered to do something, it was just their job, you would think that that could be enough of an excuse. But if their job ultimately led to basically atrocities, you know, that's not good enough. And that's where Hannah Arendt came up with her um, idea of the banality of evil. Um, and what that meant was is sometimes what is quote unquote evil, what actually does the most destruction are people just doing their jobs, people just doing what they're told to do. Mm. And this can be, and you know, even in just the most mundane sense in our society, maybe it's just capitalism. Maybe it's just, you know, charging the most that I've always been able to get away with um, because people will pay because there's somebody there will pay it rather than actually charging what is um, of value and giving what is value and, you know, and considering that there are humans at play. That What's fair in it. Yeah. To, that's the, oh, everything that you're saying to me feels very Libra Capricorn Aries mm -hmm. in, in all that, you know, because Aries, you do have to, it's interesting because Capricorn is, and Libra seem to be following the orders in some way, right? Capricorn gives the orders, Libra is going, might go along with it, but we need the Aries to be like, wait, no, that's, and this may be where Chiron comes in too, you know, being able to, to, to go against the grain and step up when something yeah. isn't right or doesn't sit well. And not be a good soldier. Cause sometimes being a good soldier, you know, is forwarding, you know, if you want to still use the word evil, if, uh, if, you know, the orders you're following are not aligned with, you know, something that's right or moral. So, yeah, I think these are questions that we really need to be asking ourselves. I it, mean, maybe yeah. not everyone is in this predicament, but when we are looking at the changes that are necessary in society, whether it's racism or misogyny or, or, you know, the, the worst of capitalism or abuses of power, sometimes that means going against the grain and being, um, you know, not being received well, but ultimately doing what you know to be right. And I think that to me, I feel like that's been some of these big lessons of all these retrogrades that we've been asking ourselves on some level. And now with Mars, you know, having to, you know, people are fighting for their survival. Some people are really literally fighting for their survival. Um, and, you know, how do they go about doing that in a way that is still aligned with, um, you know, the, the highest expression of themselves. 
Yeah. These are all great questions that I think are really going to come into this, this season here in all areas of our life, um, you know, in, in the bigger world sphere and in ourselves and really mundane situations. We can break this down, um, you know, and the macro and the micro. Uh, now, okay, so some things we haven't talked about yet. Um, there's a couple things. So basically right after the full moon, we have Venus ingressing into Virgo, which will kind of change Libra season a little bit because we have Venus going into a different place. But what we also didn't talk about was Mercury who enters Scorpio on September 27th, uh, just before all that Venus, Mars, the Mars retrograde, squaring Saturn, all that. So our, and so I don't know, maybe we should tackle the Mercury which one should we tackle first here? Because Mercury leads into the Uranus stuff, the retrograde of it. Which which do you want to um, go with first? Let's see. Did you say, let me ask you real quick. So you said that Mercury enters its shadow on, what was it? The September 23rd, around okay. there. And you put in your notes that was on Spica. Let's talk about that first. Oh, the um, the new moon is on Spica. Oh, but isn't that it? That is that on Speaker too? 20, it is. It's. Is it oh, close? I don't know about the new moon, but um, Speaker is twenty four Libra. So yeah, because that's where our that's where our new moon is going to be. So we have a new moon uh, in the middle of the month that's on Speaker. Oh, um, oh, wonderful! Oh, I yes, love that. I love yes. That so I'm excited. I'm excited about that. But um, yeah, that so, Mercury it, it 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 dances there. It basically enters its shadow phase on on Speaker. Um, okay, and so that means it'll station direct later at that degree, correct? Does it go back all the way through there? Let's see. Let's pull out our magic, uh, our magic programs as we look through retrogrades. What is it? Retrograde. Uh, so it it, ret- it stations at twenty five degrees. So it doesn't quite pull back all the way to to speak up. But that new moon is there. I would consider it. Yeah, but it's close. Would, but that new moon, mm, oh, we're not there yet. But yeah, we're not quite there. But I would just say that I think that that could color because this is the thing. The last Mercury retrograde we had, um, it stationed on. Um, serious, right? Like the brightest stars. Mm, yeah. And when it finally stationed direct on Sirius, that was when AOC gave that fantastic speech about, um, you know, the, the she, she was being called an effing B or whatever by some other congressman. And she talked about how this language is unacceptable. And that just sort of just, it's somehow that speech, it just like struck a nerve for a lot of people, especially women, obviously. And so to me, I thought, wow, that entire, you know, that entire experience culminated in that Mercury on speak on, um, Serious, and so now we have Mercury on Speaker plus the new Moon on Speaker. So that I would say, you know, is something worth reflecting on. Plus, my midheaven is like within a couple of degrees of Speaker. So, um, oh, this will be big for you. All these little, all this yeah. maneuvering. What I like about Speaker, it supposedly has a lot to do with with talent. You know, with your God given gifts and and allowing your talent. To me, I feel like it's very, it's almost sort of like a Leo type of vibe, but um, it's um, letting your talent and your gifts shine and it being in Libra, um, that could have to do with beauty, aesthetics, 
um, art, um, obviously relating with others. I mean, yeah, my midheaven being on speaker, I've always had the most success when I've partnered with somebody, you know, and when it's been a, you know, really lovely equal partnership where we both are able to, you know, really flower and share our gifts in ways that like we couldn't do without each other. Um, so I think it's worth like reflecting on speaker for those who yeah. have that degree. And so, yeah, we'll uh, get in there a little bit more with that new moon placement um, that comes later in the month. Uh, but let's think about, well, oh, yeah, because basically. Yes. And so the other thing is, yeah, then Mercury going into Scorpio. Scorpio. Yeah. Um, those, and you know, those, Mercury's already in its shadow there. I would just think, you know, that area late Libra to early Scorpio, you know, that's that via combusta, which. Um, I don't know too much about it, but I do know that that is like just a really hot <laughs> area of the Zodiac. Um, that can be very just intense and very combustible. And, um, um, so anytime we have Mercury going, you know, of course, Mercury is the mind communication, what's on our mind, how we communicate the nature of it, um, what we're communicating about. And in Scorpio, you know, Scorpio's secrets and taboos and sometimes, you know, silence can speak louder than, <laughs> than words. And, you know, someone goes deadly silent in Scorpio. Sometimes that's something to really consider because what are people really, you know, are they cooking something up or are our thoughts just going into maybe our thoughts are going into a very dark place. Maybe we are looking at our own mortality, you know, because, you know, I, I do believe that we are going to have an, a second wave or we're still in the first wave. I don't know. But, um, and we really do have to get brutally honest with ourselves because, you know, we've been playing around like, like teenagers most of this time, you know, when can I go out? Can I go out and get coffee? Can I go out and get a haircut? But you know, earlier this year, there were reports that there literally wasn't enough um, room at uh, the, what do you call it, at the crematoriums. I mean, they, in Spain, they had to be holding dead bodies in an ice rink to keep them cool, you know, and um, because all the the crematoriums and all of the um, the morgues were we're already too full. So, I mean, these are some dark thoughts that I think, you know, during this season of Mercury and Scorpio, I mean, it's worth to be thinking about because, you know, we want to prevent that and these simple things we can do, you know, and I don't know if you have people that are like COVID deniers or pandemic deniers listening to this, but I am not. I, I value human life. And even if it just means doing something simple, like not going anywhere and being uncomfortable, you know, you're at least not being, not perpetuating this, you know, virus or passing it on to others. Yeah. So, you know, our thoughts could really go to some, some deep, dark places and, um, and they, it may be necessary. We may need that. Well, and it seems so, 
perfectly timed in many ways. Because keep in mind that this happens uh, September 27th, that Mercury moves into Scorpio uh, right after it opposed Mars retrograde. And so this is before uh, we get to that Mars squaring Saturn. This is before we get to that Mars ruled full moon um, and why that is important. And the same that is before we even get to that Venus trying Mars that we talked about that kind of kicked everything off is because when uh, Mars or Mercury moves into Scorpio by traditional rulership, it is now looking to Mars. So there's a lot of the Mars retrograde agenda that is behind what Mercury is going to be processing internally and what it's going to be stationing with, and especially opposite Uranus, which also has a very you know, a combustible like force where things are trying to burst through or where the mind needs to be freed up from maybe some of the dark tension that it is under or it's, it's being internalized by the frustrations of Mars or, uh, you know, just a lot of that. There's just a lot of pent up energy that's happening this month and why it might be a bit of a difficult one to get through. Um, but when we're through it, you know, the, those are like the breakthroughs come. This is when we're going to feel like the sense of relief when this is all over. I think, you know, we're going to see that uh, obviously into November, but it's something to keep in mind with Mercury through Scorpio that it does refer to that Mars retrograde placement um, and why it might take our minds to places that are a little more revved up charged. Scorpio, you know, this is a fixed sign. So it can get uh, cyclical in pattern sometimes with its energies where it just chews something over and it takes it into a pattern that is in a loop of some sort that can be traumatizing if we focus on it too much. Um, but hopefully what can happen, some of the things that we talked about with the Saturn energy uh, and Chiron energy is that whatever we are going through mentally is in essence trying to be cut out from our lives and hopefully healed in some way. But it's going to have to go through a process <laughs> before it gets there. At least that's what I'm thinking. I mean, one of the first things I thought was, um, you know, that to me, it's like, this is where the mind goes when we have to resolve trauma too, yeah. you know? I mean, if when Mercury in, in Libra, you know, maybe we're just sort of skimming the surface of things, but then in Scorpio, we have to really go deep and get real and get brutally honest. Um, and, you know, the fact that Mercury will eventually be going, you know, back into Libra to me you know, these are two signs that have, I always feel that, you know, Libra is sort of, again, the surface, the seeking harmony, seeking to attract and bring together. And then we sort of kind of almost like fall off the deep end in, in Scorpio. Um, and it could also be that, you know, it just seems like a very serious time, you know, like our decisions are serious, you know, the, you, how we, you know, what happens at this election is serious, how we make it through, how we, um, you know, find our way to vote and things like that. All these are, are serious considerations. And that's kind of really ultimately what I see of um, Mercury and Scorpio. And like you said, with, you know, all the frustrations of Mars and Aries retrograde, um, that can feed into it too. Um, hopefully we won't, I mean, I think at the worst it could be, you know, they say that Scorpio is, uh, what is it? Is like vindictive and all this stuff. I mean, I hate to hear, I mean, 
I've got, you know, stellium Scorpio and I know you're Scorpio rising. So some of these things, I, I don't, I think they're kind of too blunt objects, you know, when it comes to these keywords, but I think it is worst. It could be, you know, like someone who has so, so much frustration and that frustration not only goes from the body, but to the mind, you know, yeah. um, you know, could it be something that we can resolve or is it something that we just let fester? Cause that's where it can get, you know, destructive. Yeah, especially when both planets, uh, you know, when Mercury actually stations on uh, October 13th, then we have both planets in retrograde and, and pulling back. Um, and so that will be, we'll have even more internalized energy at that point, but where it could get pent up um, while it's being reviewed. So we'll, we'll have to see. We'll, you know, we'll unpack more of that, but keep in mind that is kind of a position um, that, uh, you know, my cat, my cat is making weird little meow noises right now. She's, she's agreeing what we're saying. Um, so, okay. Well, in the interest of us not having the longest podcast ever, we're going to have to blow through some of these transits here. Um, cause Christina and I could probably talk forever about all types of things. We're going deep. We're getting Scorpio deep. Uh, but let's talk about Venus ingressing into Virgo, which happens just after the full moon on October 2nd. So now we get a kind of a flavor change of Libra season in general, because we, you know, Venus that our, you know, relationship planet, our, our values, how we open up to things where we're finding balance and harmony, um, tastes, etc. This is all moving into Virgo, which is the sign of her, um, fall there. So she doesn't, she's not as comfortable in the re, you know, more, uh, pulling back zone of Virgo. Uh, but she is getting real. That is for sure. And she's probably hyper aware of, of things. Um, and so, uh, you know, how do you think that's going to change kind of the flavor of Libra getting into that, that earthy Virgo zone? Yeah. Um, you know, I think that obviously v Venus is how we relate and, um, and, you know, our sense of pleasure and things like that. And I feel like in Virgo, she's obviously more discerning there, more practical. Um, you know, I'm looking at other than uh, Mars and Aries and obviously Chiron, there's no other real fire. So it does feel like this is kind of like a time, it feels like a little more serious, a little more um, getting down to business, uh, getting things done. Um you know, knowing what we really value and prioritize. And uh, because with Mercury, I'm sorry, with Virgo, we're really looking at, um, you know, organizing, purifying, and um, discerning. I usually, you know, I feel like because it's October and we're going into the winter, you know, it may be a time where we're deciding that we don't want to spend too much. Um, and that could be another thing too with Venus ruling money. Um, I feel like that it's, yeah, this, when I'm looking at this whole chart, you know, there's not a whole lot of that fire kind of like lifting it up. I think we're really sort of kind of getting down to practicalities. Mm, yeah, the, the fire is because what's in fire is a retrograde, and so it's kind of like a, it's a little stamped out a little bit, um, or we're only finding it inside when the rest of the outside world and what we have to deal with is all a little more practical based. Because obviously Venus is going to be going through the Earth sign; it's going to make all those trines to the Capricorn energy. 
Um, and so it, yeah, I think things are going to come back to earth. We're going to have to deal with practical matters, um, and get more practical and, and realistic about things while we also still have some of that air energy that is allowing us to at least still look into the future. Maybe that's why we're getting practical in the first place because it's like, okay, well, if we see these things ahead of the road, well, then what do we got to do now? Or what do we have to change? Or what do we have to uh, you know, nip in the bud to begin? And that's going to take effort, time, actual real world, you know, maneuvering. And so, yeah, I think she's going to get a little sober because that is what happens in Virgo. Um, and so we're, we're going to probably see a, a kind of a significant shift just in the season in general after that full moon, just because that fire uh, will have uh, left the building <laughs> to some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, like, okay, so we're moving on from Venus. She's kind of changed. Uh, we talked about Mercury and getting ready to station and opposing Uranus, which happens uh, on the 7th of October there. So that mind's going through something. Um, now, who was it that was talking about the October surprise? Maybe that was on Chris Brennan's podcast, but... Um, apparently in politics, Mm -hmm. um, they have what's called the October surprise, which is like just before an election, they like to bring out the dirtiest dirt. Oh yeah. We haven't seen enough dirt or heard enough dirt, but yeah, I mean, they're already bringing it out, but you know, here we go. This is like, you know, October 7th. Um, and you know, Scorpio being about secrets and taboos and things. And of course, um, Uranus loves to surprise, loves to shock. Um, Well, to pair that with what you're saying, because really what's happening is we have Pluto stationing direct on October 4th, Mercury opposing Uranus on the 7th, and then Mars retrograde squaring Pluto on the 9th. So I would say from the 4th to the 9th, We'd That's be looking for that surprise, I think, is when the, yeah. Pluto station direct. I mean, that's one to definitely pay attention to for the several days before and after. Um, again, it's usually things that have been going a long time. It's some of the worst stuff. I mean, it's some of the, the most taboo, taboo stuff that you don't want to talk about, whether it's, you know, sex and death or, you know, you know, even abuse, um, you know, like misogyny, rape, child abuse. I mean, like some of like the worst stuff he oftentimes comes. The around. secrets are coming out. Secrets are coming out. I mean, I don't want to say, you know, I don't want to say what it, what I think it might could. I mean, I don't, I don't have an idea of what it could be, but it's usually the stuff that we're just like, it's just so putrid, <laughs> um, that we don't want to look at, but it's usually, it's essential because it's been, what's been going on because it's, there's something that's been going, you know, if you have black mold growing in your basement and you just, just decide, you know, I'm not going to deal with it today. And then that becomes 20 years. And then, <laughs> you know, like what's down there. Um, it becomes a monster. And that's usually what happens. We see like the monsters that have been growing in the dark and that it's time. You know, the thing is, is that when we bring the light of consciousness to it, then we have the opportunity to slay those dragons. And that's what we may have to do. You know, so yeah, like you said, talking about digging up dirt or, um, you know, body, they often call it like bodies buried in the in the backyard. <laughs> you know, those coming out, and that's in, on the collective level. On a personal level, I, you know, I always like to kind of discern these because I'm not yeah. as 
I, I personally don't consider myself a mundane astrologer, although these days, you know, any astrologer usually is looking at the bigger world. But on a personal level, Pluto being our, you know, our shadow, but yet also our empowerment. I feel like this will give us a chance to not feel as overwhelmed. I think this whole time Pluto retrograde, we have been overwhelmed with all there is to do, all that we should have done, you know, um, feeling powerless. And now with Pluto going direct, we may have a sense that, you know, we can command our destiny or if at the very least our life in some ways, even, you know, and then with Venus and and Virgo, sometimes just the little things we can do to create order, to reclaim our lives again, that can really help us feel in control again. We might not be able to solve everything today, but, you know, if we can just put some things in order or, uh, you know, throw out some weeds in one day, you know, then we've, we've reclaimed some of our power back, I think. Yeah. No, I think that, uh, yeah, I think that is definitely something that could be happening, especially as Mercury is getting, um, you know, that trigger of Uranus on the other side of it. So we got, there's awakening energy, there's empowering energy, but there might be difficult instinctual stuff to get through too. That's just important. Yeah. And Mars squaring that Pluto station, I mean, I do fear for the, what's hap- what would happen in the collective with those powers that be, you know, the plutocracy or the, or the, the autocrats or the people in charge. I mean, um, look at what happened. You know, I've never paid attention to Belarus politics before in my life, but now it's big there because there's definitely an autocratic rule taking place. Um, there, you know, they had an election that is not being honored and and people are getting, you know, really riled up about it. You know, with the Pluto stationing, squaring that Mars, there could really be, you know, some, I mean, Pluto is also death. It's destruction, you know, at its worst. Um, so that could be a very, it could be a dangerous time just in general with, you know, anytime we have uh, Mars, you know, involved in that sort of Capricorn stack there. Yeah. And I would just say in general, in your own life, you know, the, the really mundane things like just driving your car anywhere, especially Mercury opposed Uranus, not to scare anybody or anything, not, not you, Christina, because I know we talked about no car rage. things, but no, no, no road rage. Um, but which is funny because of what's been happening outside of my house every night now that it's becoming a really issue for the community is like drag racing for, for hours on end. And you could smell the burning rubber. Like it's becoming a really bad thing. Um, and that's that so, so Mars retro. Yeah. Um, that's just a tangent, but anyways, you know, just be, be extra cautious, careful, take your time, you know, uh, during the, that first 10 plus days of October, just because of the energies that are around, we, you know, we got to be on our toes and in a, in a way, otherwise there could be consequences to come to that. Not to scare anybody, just kind of putting the, you know, the, the Capricorn realism uh, out there for people. So, um, all right. Well, this brings us to, 
What do we got going? We've made it to last quarter, Moon. Not even in, you know, usually like Scorpio season is a deep, dark season, but. I know it's Libra this year. Although we have Mercury in Scorpio that's given us the Scorpio highlight, of course. Uh Um, So we have that last quarter, Moon in Cancer, uh, which is right on my sun. That should be interesting to see how that plays out uh, there. Um, But, and that's another thing to keep. Oh, I will just, because we've been bouncing around, but I will say, yeah, just in general, everything we've been looking at that full moon in Aries um, with the Pluto station direct shortly after Mercury opposite Uranus, you know, that all happening within that, you know, short time period that, that definitely seems like, you know, one of the, you know, difficult spots, the hot spots. Yeah. Yeah. beginning of October. The beginning of, yeah, basically October 1st through October 9th. And keep in mind too, because this is all pushing off of that Virgo new moon. And so what's happening is we're having first quarter, full moon, last quarter, and of course our upcoming new moon. These are all in cardinal signs. So all the Virgo new moon energy, which Virgo is a mutable sign that is pushing for adaptation and change and transition. And then the cardinal agenda pushes things forward. So there is a lot of power and pivot to all the moon stops that she does this particular month um, and why that there might be more action than normal. Um, and of course, we talk about the the inaction of Mars retrograde, and, and but you know, action doesn't always have to happen on the surface and blunt right in our face. So sometimes that is an internalized process. So just know that the wheels are definitely changing and turning, the gears are turning um, in, in many ways this month. And so that's why this is a very important month of, you know, the, or, you know, season of 2020. And especially with that new moon in Virgo, that it's kind of all sitting under that was in a square to the nodes, you know, that we're in that halfway eclipse point. Um, so we made it to last quarter. You know, we're kind of closing down with some things. What do we got going on? So, well, Venus trines Uranus at that point. Um, But you know what? I don't know. Might have to save that because what's really happening like the days after is the sun squares Jupiter. And then we have that last Jupiter sextile Neptune aspect. And then we also have Mercury stationing retrograde in a sextile to Venus. So that's interesting. Okay. Well, let's set, let's set the stage here. Let's, so we got Venus trining Uranus from Virgo. Mm -hmm. And then a few days later, Mercury stations retrograde in Scorpio in a sextile to Venus. So we see Venus, Uranus, Mercury station. (laughs) That's interesting in the relationship department to me too, or like Mm -hmm. just relating and finding balance there, I think. Yeah. I mean, my first thought is kind of survival anxieties happening with the, um, even though it's a trine, um, I think that, you know, Venus and Uranus, you know, Uranus is very unsettling and they're both in these signs of, you know, Taurus is, you know, our survival and our money and our shelter and things like that. And our, our sense of stability and Uranus is saying that, things are in state, you know, not very stable and Mercury, I'm sorry, Venus in, um, Virgo, you know, is just trying to, um, you know, keep things in order. And so to me, that that could be a little unsettling, obviously for relationships. I mean, you know, at highest expression, there can be some, you know, sudden insights and sudden solutions to things that Mm -hmm. have been maybe like difficult to, 
um, to transcend or difficult to solve. Um, or it could be that, you know, we really, you know, some of this either relationship or survival anxiety could, you know, be kicked up. Um, I mean, I think at, you know, at its highest, it would be, um, working with this instability. Anytime we have Uranus, I think like the best use of it is to let the possibilities and the excitement and the new drive us rather than allowing the anxiety to drive us. But then, Mm -hmm. as you said, with Mercury stationing, that usually kicks up the anxiety a little bit, just like on the mental level and just, you know, Mercury also rules our whole systems, you know, our nervous system. And I think the nerves could start to, you know, to kind of, again, it could either get the better of us or uh, we could use it to, to, you know, open a new window to new solutions that we hadn't thought of before. Right. That's absolutely true. And, you know, knowing that Mercury stations at that time too, and we got so much energy in the sky is that we always say with Mercury stationing that, you know, there is room for misunderstandings. There is room for information to come in that needs to be chewed over further. And maybe we can't come to a conclusion with something and something might shock us in some way, but maybe it shocks us. Um, but we still don't have you know, it shocks us to look at things in in a different way, but maybe the pieces are still not there yet. And so we do need space with the mental processing of everything, knowing that this is basically an introductory, um, you know, uh, like an introductory message of what Mercury is like, okay, well, here's this to chew over for the next three weeks, you know, enjoy. Um, And so, especially since Mercury is tied up with that opposition to Uranus itself, and then now Venus is playing into it. So, uh, you know, give that some space, take it in, you know, let it sit with you, know that you still got to probably go around some things um, and, and figure out what might not be clear or might, what might be a misunderstanding or a misstep in some way. Way or where your own perspective needs to change um, in relation to whatever is happening. Um, because, I mean, what, you know, other than that, as Mercury stations and we're introduced to this, like, oh, it's time to think a little different. We have the sun squaring Jupiter, which is always a push towards some sort of growth and forward momentum or being aware of what needs to move forward and change. And like Jupiter like sextile Jupiter. Neptune. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then with, I mean, I think of binging when I think of a square (laughs) to to Jupiter because I have Jupiter square, my ascendant, (laughs) um, you know, it's so funny that I just feel like it can be just this sudden, like over the top urge. And then, you know, the sex child to, to Neptune, you know, and the sun being, uh, mixed up in that, Um, I mean, one of the things that we have been seeing with this Jupiter-Neptune is a lot of this, I mean, one of it's the conspiracy theory thing that has been, you know, coming up a lot in the collective. Um, There could be an uprising of that for a few days or or some kind of news because Jupiter oftentimes does have to do with news and then with, of course, with Mercury stationing. That can suddenly just be like a wave of, you know, whatever this news is like sort of takes us over and, and, um, is just really, um, 
sort of magnetizing the collective, you know, like everyone has an opinion on it or everyone has something to say about it kind of thing. Yeah. And that makes sense too, because at the same time, basically that Mercury stations, we have the sun opposing that Mars retrograde and the mid, this is our midpoint of Mars retrograde when Mars is the closest and brightest to earth, you know, when we feel that Mars energy the most and it, you know, and then the sun, uh, goes on to square Pluto a couple of days after that. And so this is another hot spot. It's last quarter. Things That's are wrapping up, but you know, that is a hot, basically the, I keep telling everybody October 1st through October, through the new moon, October 16th is just like one thing after another with just things are, is just, yeah, there's just a yeah, lot to take Yeah, because then in. there I'm seeing, yeah, because then the sun makes that journey of squaring uh, then Pluto, you know. There well, and why I think that the virus might be a big part of this, because Jupiter sextile Neptune, Neptune re- ruling, uh, you know, viruses and things that we can't see and things that can permeate us um, in ways that, you know, I think this might be turning a corner there somewhere. Some, in some way, and especially with the sun opposing Mars retrograde at the same time. And, you know, in the th- thinking that the sun and Mars synodic cycles kind of tied up, in my opinion, to the pandemic um, timeline of when things are released. And so I think we're, de- we're definitely going to have more pandemic news. And I think it's probably going to, uh, you know, affect the obviously, and that might be part of that big surprise that we're talking about with the effect of the elections and, and things like that, because, um, yeah, because the Mercury's stationing, and that's the thing too is like Mercury when it's stationed retrograde back in Pisces in the beginning of this year, and that was like the perpetuation of the virus behind the scenes before we knew it was happening. You know, one of the big days was Mardi Gras when the sun was conjunct Mercury retrograde. Um, and a lot of the spreading got done in these big festivals and stuff like that. And so there's something to be said about the Mercury stations too, in re- relation with the pandemic this year yeah. as well. Oh, so yeah, we talked about that on your podcast because when mercury was first i'm sorry when the um the pandemic before it was a pandemic when the virus was first sort of known to first infect somebody i think wasn't it like mercury was retrograde at the time and it wasn't until there was the next mercury retrograde when mercury station direct that we finally got the date of yeah. the original infection. So yeah, there was like all this, and then there was like Neptune in the mix too. Yeah, exactly. So just, you know, just FYI with, with that there. Um, but we are turning a corner there. And I think having the sun oppose Mars retrograde and then square Pluto once again, mm-hmm. and, and it coming off the sun with square to Jupiter is that a lot of the stuff that we've been working with, with the Mars issues, right? From that Aries perspective, and that retrograde perspective, uh, we get this, this shine the sun on that. And, you know, sometimes when we shine the light on things, it can be uncomfortable, but at least we're conscious of it. We are more clear on the way to go forward. We know what we need to change, even though that might be difficult or might push us into a place that is uncomfortable for us to get through. But either way, at least we have the light on it, which I think is going to, in some respect, bring some sort of relief knowing that, oh, at least I can see it more clearly now. Um, and you know, once the sun gets past that Mars retrograde, Mar- Mars retrograde kind of gets into a different position of its own retrograde cycle. And it's uh, not 
in my mind, this is kind of a turning point of all the Mars energy because it will have kind of moved past all it all its hot spots of what it, it needs to get through um, in some way. It still needs to get through Jupiter. Mars squares Jupiter right after the new moon. But yeah, to I'm me, that's a little... Now, the 19th. Yeah, that's a little easier to me than the Saturn and the Pluto and the, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, if if Jupiter were closer in orb to Pluto, then yeah, I would be more worried about it. I mean, it could still... I just worry because um, the... You know, I, I think of the Mars and Aries, especially the retrograde is, you know, those lone, you know, the lone shooters or those people that those vigilantes, you know, that like that we've been seeing like average dudes, <laughs> you know, getting like machine guns and things. I'm not saying that that would happen at the time, but that kind of energy of like, um, you know, taking things into your own hands kind of thing. Um, in general, I see that with the Mars, um, in Aries. And so, you know, when it's being illuminated by the sun and being, and squaring those planets in Capricorn, um, it can bring out some of that, um, you know, sort of that vigilante nature. And so, yeah, obviously we, I think the biggest worry is Pluto because Pluto does, you know, let's face it, symbolize things like death and destruction. So, you know, those are the times we want to watch for. And then, you know, Jupiter, you know, Jupiter uh, can just make things big, period. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it just blows it up, right? It up. Yeah. And the one sun and Libra, you know, is looking for justice. So all those things are absolutely possible. And that's why we got to, uh, you know, be aware of that mid-October uh, play placement because this is this is the type of energy that can bring these things to surface and to be mm -hmm. aware of that um and so we're not surprised when it happens um but understand that that's a possibility now so, i will say like before we scare everybody to death no we don't <laughs> want to scare any people too much um, you know there's still like remember when we did oh no i don't think you were part of it i asked you to be but you couldn't but like the first summit I did in the spring, which was, you know, the all women summit, um, the astrology of awakening. And it was amazing. It was so like freaking awesome. Well, that was when Jupiter and Pluto were conjunct. And I think Mars was conjunct them too, you know, that crazy time. Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, we feel these, um, you know, we feel these energies ourselves and that's, this is the value of looking at astrology and seeing all the potential, the complete destruction, as well as the complete, like, you know, using it to your best advantage. And I had someone ask me, how do you use this to your best advantage? And I mean, my first um, answer is get a reading because you know how you use it maybe, you know, specific to you. But um, I think it's important to see that we will be triggered by these, like most likely. Um, and, you know, the Saturn will, you know, wants to bring blocks and delays usually, but that's usually for us to be able to be stronger. And then the Pluto is that drive, that relentless drive, you know, to keep going. And the Jupiter will give us hope and faith and expansiveness. And so if we can consciously use our minds, our Mars, and consciously direct it toward projects um, that, you know, can help ourselves, help others be creative rather than destructive, then this could potentially be a time of 
you know, really digging deep and really creating something important in our lives that, you know, really has a lasting effect because, you know, we started this entire new moon cycle trying Saturn. That's right. right. And so we, you know, this is a potential that we could be building something, this entire lunation cycle that could ultimately have a really lasting effect. And sometimes it does mean you have to go in and do some remodeling, yeah. you, know, or some, you know, digging out and digging out of the, the, the basement, the cellar. Um, but it could potentially be a very empowering time. It's just the only thing is, is when we look at these, you know, vigilantes or whatever in the collective and to them empowering may be, you know, getting, getting guns and showing how manly they are. Um, but to those of us who are, you know, want, don't want to add to the destruction in the world, you know, what can we do? You know, what's our big dream that we can move forward on and no longer feel stuck by, Mm. Yeah. Amen to that. Amen to that. Absolutely. And that's, once again, I feel like we're back to the paradox of Libra season where it's like these, these crazy things could absolutely happen and probably will, but we also have these very powerful cardinal building structures uh, that can happen too once we get past some old stuff and get serious about things and really start to put um, the the energies behind this and do a lot of behind the scenes work, which I think is happening with Mars retrograde. So we're building, uh, but we might be doing it from the, you know, the, the safety of our own homes and, and the planning that's behind it and putting those first pieces in, you know, uh, into play. And so, um, I'm glad you brought that up because we do not want to scare people. We want to make them aware of certain things that can be happening, but you know, with all the Pluto happening, there's empowerment here too. So this brings us to the last topic we're going to talk about with Libra season. And that is the new moon, uh, at 23 degrees and 53 minutes of Libra, which we already mentioned on Spica which is going to happen October 16th, which is a Friday. Um, But here's the thing. There are so many aspects. So we're going to crunch this all into a big picture new moon here. So the new moon in Libra is going to have Venus, which is the ruler, right? Um, In a trine to Jupiter and Pluto and in an opposition to Neptune. Neptune. We have the sun squaring Saturn now versus our trine before with Virgo, uh, while Mars retrograde happens to be squaring Jupiter. And of course, we have Mercury retrograde in lined up to oppose Uranus. So all these, there's a lot of energy packed into this new moon cycle, which of course is going to unpack during Scorpio season, because that's just the way the new moons are running now. Um, but, uh, you know, any thoughts on that, especially the Venus piece with trining Jupiter, Pluto, opposing Neptune? Yeah. Well, okay. So, you know, I'd say first is the sun squaring Pluto and Saturn, really, because, you know, like the day before it will have been exact to Pluto and then it's applying to Saturn. So it's kind of (laughs) Pluto-Saturn. It's a rock in a hard place to some extent, uh, a little bit there. Yeah, a square to Saturn is always going to be Sorry if I'm like fidgeting. That's my Mars and Gemini. <laughs> yeah, I got it too. I know. <laughs> um, yeah, that that can be challenging. You know, the Mars, I mean, the Sun square Saturn. Um, no, it's not like, I mean, you know, if it were like Venus square Saturn, I would just say, um, you know, big nose. But um, 
that usually is like, you know, something that's going to be harder or take longer or call more from you. Um, and, you know, the sun being in Libra who wants, you know, to have harmony, bring people together, create agreements, you know, square to Saturn, sometimes that's a no, or sometimes that's a not yet. Um, that might be a, you know, dig deeper or, uh, you know, you didn't do your homework enough or something. Um, I think that that's definitely something that you can't ignore. Um, what do you, before we move on to the other aspects? Well, I will say I was thinking because the second we had the, we had the pleasure of two new moons in cancer this year. Um, we had that, uh, eclipse that happened at the, uh, solstice. Um, but when we had the second new moon in cancer, that was opposing Saturn. Um, and so basically the new moon in cancer back in July, and then of course our last Virgo new moon that trine Saturn. Now we're coming to the square position. So it might even be something that has been building or an idea or a decision that might have been made at that second new moon in cancer now kind of runs up against something or it has to like turn a corner in some way or it's going to require more of you or kind of like you said, like maybe, but not yet. Um, You know, I think that is going to be in play as far as timelines concerned of um, what we might be working with. But I really, you know, and it's such a fascinating position to have Venus trining all the Capricorn stuff too, you know, because she, I mean, she's dictating this new moon to many, but she's dictating it from a fall position. So there is, she doesn't have the best of strength. And that does mean that, you know, things might uh, depress into a situation or go in a way that we might not have anticipated or know that, you know, we got to get through more trying times first, but it's all in the name of growth with that trying to Jupiter. It's all in the name of changing um, and getting something to something that's more authentic and purified with the trying to Pluto. And then it asks us to let go um, with that opposition to Neptune and maybe something that is, was an illusion at first or, or where we have to be more caring and compassionate in our relationships or our connections and, uh, how we're going about it. Um, and so there, there's just, I don't know, there's a lot to say, say, but everything is pushing forward though. It's weird because we have the Mars retrograde squaring Jupiter. So maybe Mars is getting like a little frustrated trying to get Jupiter to go forward. Venus trining it. It's like, I want to move forward too. Then the sun's like, oh, but you're very aware that this block is still in the road and you're going to have to get through some of this uh, a little bit. And then Mercury retrograde is still chewing it all over and there's more pieces Mm -hmm. to be found. And so that's really what I see in in that cycle. I mean, for me, I also see, like, if I were to really just focus on, you know, the Sun square Saturn and Pluto and Venus opposing Neptune, um, that is a little problematic to me because I often, you know, I would see that as um, maybe some kind of overblown expectations or something or distorted views on, yeah. you know, what you value or, or maybe even just really wanting to escape. Like, even though there's like this, this necessary need to push through and get more serious with that square to Saturn, maybe Venus just wants to go and just escape it for now, you know? So I think maybe through, through that cycle, there will be these, sometimes if things are too hard, then we do need to take a rest and escape. And, um, 
and maybe reassess, you know, because maybe we hadn't been really thinking clearly about what we really wanted or what we were capable of. Um, maybe there also needs to be some sacrifices that need to be made in order if we, for us to really get what we really want. You know, like if you really want to make the down payment on that house, maybe that means, you know, just stop all the Amazon shopping. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you've spent too much on little things or wasted too much that if you really want, you know, the big thing that really is going to take you further, that means, you know, having to reassess, making some sacrifices. Um, yeah. And, and that makes a lot of sense too, because if we do have to kind of pull back um, and spend, because this is the last lunar cycle, this this Libra lunar cycle that is going to be tied up in, in the Mars retrograde, that's going to be tied up in the Mercury retrograde. And so, no, if there's a pulling back and we still have to reconfigure those things and let go of some things in order to deal with, you know, the, the bigger picture plan and the tension we have to get through, you know, at least by the time we have the Scorpio new moon, uh, November 14th, Mars will have gone direct. The Scorpio new moon will be sextile Jupiter. Uh, you know, we're just going to have, Venus is going to be in her domicile. Um, we're going to be in a better place. So that, I guess what I want to say for this particular new moon um, cycle is even though we still have to go through the time of it, we got to deal with some of the frustration there. Know that once again, that light is at the end of the tunnel where we are going to be able to make concrete changes and grow and move forward by the time we hit mid-November uh, once, you know, these stations happen. Uh, Jupiter and Pluto meet for the last time uh, and this basically a, a new moon that sextiles into Jupiter and Pluto meeting for the last time, which I always say the last time is like hallelujah because now mm-hmm. we can finally, you know, push past it. And so that is kind of my, what I'm saying about this new moon is just hang in there to the next one because that is when we're going to be able to work with all of maybe the sacrifices or the time that we still had to recapitulate everything and, 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 um, reorganize or deal with some final frustrations to get through and, you know, rehashing. Mm -hmm. Um, so. And Venus being our values, um, I think it is about elevating our values, you know, with that opposition to Neptune. I also think of it's like, you know, if you feel like you've, um, you know, run into some kind of, you know, heavy burdens or responsibilities, to me, I'm just saying, get down on your knees and pray. I mean, sometimes that is our best answer, um, is to actually just, you know, give up control. Um, cause here to me, I just see like this fighting for like complete control and, and realizing there's a limit to how much we control that we can control. We can actually, you know, there's some, something in us has to like trust and have faith and put faith in something higher and greater than ourselves. And plus, mm. you know, the sun's also trying the North node in Gemini. I also would think that there could be, um, you know, there's a real, like growth toward learning. We're not done learning. You know, there's more like learning and understanding that we have to, that we can do. Um, you know, to me that it does look like this is the transition where, because, you know, we haven't, so much of us in astrology, you know, we, we're all, we're ready for the age of Aquarius. We're like ready to be there now. But um, uh, someone, I think I want to say it was Clarissa or somebody in our summit had said something very wise that we are in this, 
period of transition. We have to go through the transition, you know, and by going through the transition, we're in the space of morphing and adapting and, and things changing within ourselves, you know, um, partly how we respond to the world around us and another partly how we conceptualize, um, you know, the kind of world we're going to live in. So mm. to me, it looks like a real time of, you know, just being in that transition period, but also letting our faith be a part of that, be an integrated part of that. I think that's very wise advice because you know what? Guess what? You can't rush transition sometimes. You might want to. You might want to get to the end and be like, when's this going to be over? But it has its own divine timing to it. And I think that holding faith and, and, and trust and letting go in certain areas is going to serve us in the long run as we get through this transitional period and this in-between time that we seem to be in for what seems like God how, knows how forever. But we're, um, we're all you know, like, like little kids, like, you know, like when you're in the backseat and your parents are driving to vacation and you're like, well, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Yeah. <laughs> well, and here's the thing too, is I always like what Bernadette Brady says in um, her book, uh, Predictive Astrology, when she's talking about squares um, and knowing that this, you know, we have a lot of square action happening here and especially between Mars and, uh, you know, Mars and Jupiter, the sun and Saturn and Pluto, is that squares are nobody's fault. We, let's not place blame here. Let's not, you know, this, it just is what it is. And sometimes tension is just, you can't point a finger at tension. It just happens to be at cross purposes in order to get through you know, the fork in the road. And we have to have acceptance within that. And that might be part of that Venus-Neptune opposition too, is as we go through the tr Venus trine to Jupiter and Pluto and these growth spurts um, that asks us to, you know, grow in many ways, we're going to have to accept some certain things. We're going to have to uh, let go and maybe sacrifice certain things in the meantime, just to turn the corner so that we could get to what we actually are trying to build or manifest or change in our lives once that divine timing comes in. Um, and that I think would be more apropos with the sextile to Saturn than maybe the square to Saturn right now. So, yeah. Yeah, All right. a creative aspect, they say, the uh, square. I always try to remind myself of that. <laughs> well, we'll try to remind ourselves of that. But um, yeah, so I mean, I think we covered how how pivotal... Uh, yeah, you know, we better Libra stop season. now before we get too then, far. We, we can't, we can't. Uh, if you had one word of advice for Libra season, what would you say? Well, you know, ultimately the, you know, Libra wants, wants harmony, right? And so to harmonize with your environment and with the world that takes some, you know, whether that's pivoting, whether that's, um, you know, taking a step back, uh, whether that means like speeding up a little bit, because that's what's necessary. I think that this is a time to harmonize with the energies and with our environment, you know, because ultimately it's ruled by Venus, you know, follow the path of Venus. Venus wants um, to bring people together, to, uh, to attract. And we actually have a power of attraction during um, Libra season. Uh, I'm not necessarily talking about law of attraction, but in some ways, yes, the energy we put out can either be repellent or it can be attractive. And, um, you know, 
even though there's so much happening in the skies, where the sun is, that shows us our focus. And so I would definitely be considering that um, we can harmonize and we don't have to do it alone. I would also just mm. consider, you know, don't consider that you have to do everything alone. This is our opportunity to partner and to harmonize with others. Sorry, that was more yeah. than one word. No, no, it's good. <laughs> I think it summed it up rather nicely with Libra. What about season. you? I'd love to hear your... Um, Mini advice. I my mini advice, my mini advice champions Christina's mini advice, uh, but then adds to it. um, Cultivate peace of mind for you, because that can be everything sometimes, and especially with these retrogrades and the fact that Mercury is is stationing um, and maybe like an intense place with in opposition to Uranus, is that we have the choice to have peace of mind. Anything that's going through your mind is, you know, we like to think that we don't have control over it, but we do. And so finding ways to, you know, find the harmony within the mental sphere um, as we go through some of the tension of this, I think is going to be a saving grace to this Libra season um, because that might be what is activated and throws us, uh, you know, off keel in some way. So uh, peace of mind, wherever you can get it, however you can get it and, you know, make it a priority, I guess is what I would say. Absolutely. Oh. All right. Well, we've done a thorough job, I think here. So uh, before we leave, Christina, where can people find you? What do you got going on? They can find me at radiantastrology.com and on Instagram and Facebook at Radiant Astrology. Um, on the Equinox, I'm partnering with my partner, Shireen Vismaya, and we're actually doing a, a class on um, Venus and Mars retrograde called Love is a Battlefield. And um, we're going to be talking all about love and all about uh, Venus and Mars retrograde. And actually, we've been doing a series on like narcissism and relationships. And this um, actually explores that even further, how to go from narcissistic and codependent relationships to sacred relationship. And so it's going to be really amazing. And I invite you all to check it out at radiantastrology.com. That does sound amazing and perfect for this season that we just talked about. Like these are, these are all things that we can dive into more um, and, and learn about right now. So go check Christina out, radiantastrology.com. You know, she's got, always has fabulous content. Um, now of course I will share this on my own page because I always do some type of blog post with guests that come in. So you can find me over at energeticprinciples.com and on, on the internet, on the internet, that's where it lives. Um, (laughs) but also on Instagram and Facebook at energetic principles. Um, and right now I am, you know, uh, if I'm taking consultations, so if anybody wants to book a reading, you know where to find me. You can book on my site uh, there. So uh, what else do I want to share? I think I, I don't know. My brain is foggy after a couple hours of talking. It's so funny there. Um, So, uh, all right. Well, if you think people need to know about Libra season and everything that we talked about here, and we've shared a lot of uh, content that can be spread, you know, share it with a friend you know, send it to that coworker you think that you're like, oh, this resonates with what they're going through, you know, like spread the good word. Spread because the good word. Yeah. Also, Art, do you still have your Patreon? 
I'm not, I am taking a break from my Patreon right oh, now. Man. Yes, I am. Uh, I am taking a break from my Patreon. I am taking this Mars You're retrograde, actually. Oh, that's well, right. A lot of astrologers are like taking like a, the Mars retrograde off. I wish I could. <laughs> I Well, let's just say I've still been busy, um, but I am taking it off from the Patreon right now um, and, uh, and formulating my next plan. Because remember, we're talking about behind the scenes and I am working behind the scenes uh, for what's next okay, there. Right. So, oh, thank you. Actually, you just reminded me. Wait, well, um, I am going to be doing, uh, and it's going to be a free webinar uh, with San Diego Astrological Society, which I am the president of, we are doing an election panel on October 9th, uh, which is going to be the day that Mars retrograde squares Pluto We on the last quarter moon. So, oh, you know, we picked the prime date. Armageddon um, day. <laughs> yeah. So you can go to sandiegoastrology.com to register for that. It is a free event. And so it's going to be myself, um, Jim Henham, uh, Simone Butler, and Dave Dean. We're going to be unpacking the charts of the presidential candidates. We're going to be looking at the Sibley chart. We're going to be looking at the chart of the Republican Party and the DNC. Um, and then, of course, I'm going to be tackling the uh, election day chart and the inauguration chart. So we're going to have wow. a discussion of all things. You know, we're going to get into that, uh, see what we see. It's free. Charging for that. Well, we do take donations. So hopefully people because this is hard work. This is hard work. It's hard work. Um, but uh yeah, so we just kind of wanted to get it out there and invite people to come. So once again, that's San Diego Astrology.com, and I will be talking about it more on my uh feeds when it gets closer. Oh, and the last thing I want to say, because uh, I don't know if I'll have a podcast before then, but maybe I will, is I'm actually going to be on uh Stormy Grace's show, which uh uh, Christina introduced me to Stormy. I'm going to do a live YouTube with her on October 21st, um, which is going to be at 1 p.m. Pacific time. And I'm going to be tackling the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction. Um, so we're going to do her eat and greet. So October 21st, mark the day. That's when Venus trines Pluto, um, I believe. So uh, yeah, those are the two things I have going on, which I totally forgot about until Christina kind of looked at me like, don't you have other things? Um, <laughs> so, all right. Well, I this brings us to our end. Christina, so fabulous to talk to you always. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I look forward to the next time. And um, and thank you for helping me illuminate Libra season. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, and thank you so much for tuning in and listening to us talk about Libra season. We really do appreciate it. Well, we wish you the best out there during these fun and interesting times. And as always, may the stars be with you. Mm-hmm.